Good moment, America. How are you? This is the Terry Wilkerson Show, and I am your host, Terry. Just an average man trying to make my way through the world, and right now I'm an average man who's dealing with the fact that what should be spring training is just a series of hostage negotiations between a corrupt and overbearing Major League Baseball Players Association, which I will just refer to as the union from here on out, and the MLB owners, who, let's make no mistake, the owners are just as greedy and irascible, but at least they have one thing on their side, from my opinion, is they're providing the capital for the game to be played. And the players are just asking for insane demands. But we're going to get to that later on in the show. Uh, Mud jugs up if you happen to have a lip pecked. (sighs) Well, Joe Biden, Mr. Biden, what are we going to do with you today? Well, if you are, (laughs) well, if you're Russia, basically you're just going to blow your nose on the president of the United States. And that's... Sad and pathetic, knowing that we have a president who is so weak, so absolutely mindless, so pathetic in the view of the world that the world's number one superpower, the United States, which in a not too long ago era, certainly in the time of President Donald Trump and even going back likely to Barack Obama, if we had so much as looked at Russia sideways they would have stopped doing whatever the hell it was they were doing but no we don't get that anymore because we have a fucking house plant as our quote-unquote president of the united states and of course the rest of the world is looking to the u.s going why aren't you doing something why aren't you doing something well because it's nap time don't you know Don't you know that Biden has to go have his Gerber and his insurer and then sit down with enough time to watch Matlock and then go to bed? Plus, he's got to do his cognitive ability exercises. Jesus Christ, as his first year of his presidency just mind-numbingly melds into the second year, if you haven't come to the conclusion that this man is a walking bowl of mashed potatoes by now, there's something seriously wrong with you, and perhaps you should just go, you know, find a seat next to the houseplant in charge and enjoy the blissful ignorance of sunsetting. And uh, you get to enjoy the blissful ignorance of sunsetting. I get to enjoy it, but the president of the United States should not. This man should not be allowed in office. This man illegally is in office, okay? I understand there are a lot of people out there who think that the stolen election theory is a bunch of garbage, a bunch of um, conspiracy theory bullshit. Well, it's it's not, okay? Let's get that out of the way right away. Before you think I have any leanings toward him being a legitimate president, none whatsoever. I know what I saw on election day. I know what the people around me saw on election day. And I know for a fact from speaking to people across the country that certain votes, in other words, anything from Donald Trump, was not were not counted, and certain votes, i.e. votes for Joe Biden, were sometimes triple, quadruple, and exponentially counted. The entire world laughed at us when the election was stolen. And of course... Our mass media led us to believe that the reason 
the nation was laughing at us was because of the quote-unquote conspiracy theorists nut jobs who believe the election was stolen. I think it's becoming pretty obvious that the entire world was laughing at us because we allowed this theft of an election to, an occur, to occur. A nation that is supposed to be the most secure in its elections, a nation that is supposed to be the most advanced in its election process. I mean, this is not fucking Venezuela, where if Hugo Chavez wasn't even running, he would still win the election. Okay, this isn't Cuba, where Fidel Castro ran the place for, what, 50 years, despite the last 10 years of his life being essentially, oh, a well, a bowl of mashed potatoes, or if, since it's Cuba, you know, a bowl of rice and beans. They were laughing at us because we allowed it to go on, we allowed it to continue, and we allowed our mainstream media to feed the world this information that somehow Donald Trump was a whack job for believing that the election was stolen. And now we look at it and we know that the reason the world laughed at us is because we allowed the theft to happen and we actually allowed this fucking moron to take office in the White House. We allowed this vegetable, this career politician, this corrupt human being whose son is so directly tied to China, he might as well deliver you some fucking egg foo young. Oh my God, that's such a racist comment. Okay, well then turn off the fucking show. I don't care if you think it's a racist comment. It's not a racist comment because you haven't learned the word racist yet. You just learned what Biden and Harris and Jen Psaki have said you should believe it is. Close your Ibram X. Kendi, close your fucking Robin D'Angelo, and actually use your mind. There's a definition of racism, and making a joke about Ed Fu Young is not it. Hunter Biden, however... Well, I can't sit there and say the guy's racist because from what I've seen from some of the stills from the videos, he would pretty much fuck anything. But Joe Biden's little boy, Hunter, was in fact, as we know, involved with China. Balls deep in bed with China. And the money that has bounced back from China to Joe Biden and to the entire Democrat Party should be enough to create a paper trail to take them all down. But it'll never happen. Again, because of our media. But back to the subject at hand, the quote-unquote war that we're facing. The Ukraine-Russia conflict has been brewing for decades. Now, I've known a few Ukrainian people over the years, not from Ukraine, but of Ukrainian descent. And it's a very proud nation. It's a very proud people. And they're a unique people. I will give them that. Now, I've met a few Russians over the years, and without sound, oh my god, you're going to sound racist again, aren't you? Sure, whatever. Every Russian I've ever met is essentially of the same hive mind, because Russia is a hive mind nation. Take the only example I can come up with off the top of my head of a Russian immigrant. Emigrant is the opposite of immigrant for those of you morons who subscribe to open borders. There are people who leave other countries legally and come here legally. The example I come up with is the great author Ayn Rand. She escaped Russia knowing full well that the Bolshevik Revolution was going to destroy her motherland. Well, the USSR was formed. And of course we had the Cold War and along comes Mikhail Gorbachev with the map of Europe on his forehead. 
And then, of course, Ronald Reagan, with pure strength, stood up and took the entire Soviet Union down. I'm not saying single-handedly, but let's be honest. Ronald Reagan dealt the death blow. He's the one who activated Death Blossom. He's the one who used his finishing move. When the announcer on Mortal Kombat yelled out, finish him, it was Reagan who ripped out the heart of the United Soviet Socialist Republic and Mikhail Gorbachev. And of course, now we have Vladimir Putin. Let me be exceptionally clear about where I stand on this. Russia is invading Ukraine. Even as we speak, they are trying to take Kiev. And the freedom fighters in the Ukraine are actually fighting back to the point where, you know, they're holding Russia off. A bunch of civilians, a bunch of militiamen are holding off an infinitely larger and better prepared army. Where have we seen this before? Revolutionary War America. So here's Russia invading the Ukraine, and the United States places sanctions on Russia. Ooh. My personal favorite that I'm seeing right now is how so many liquor stores and bars have been removing Russian vodka from their shelves. Okay. Nice gesture. Nice gesture. I seem to remember after September 11, a lot of places changed the name of French fries to Freedom Fries. Well, as soon as the furor and fervor over 9-11 died down, everybody went back to French fries like nothing ever fucking happened. The same thing is very likely to happen here. Yeah, you're not going to be able to get your Vladimir or your Stoli right now. You know, you're going to have to buy American-made vodkas. You know, hey, try Crystal Skull by Dan Aykroyd. I have a very good friend who tells me that it's a really smooth, really good vodka. You know, um, Amsterdam's supposedly a very good vodka. And no, I do not get any sponsorship money from any liquor company at all. If I did, if you're interested in sending me a sponsorship, um, I, I will take my sponsorship in bourbon. So this is an empty gesture because as soon as this all dies down or as soon as Russia overtakes Ukraine or as soon as Ukraine fights back and drives them out, no matter what, there's going to be a point in the very near future, well before the end of this year, where this boycott of Russian vodka is going to be gone and we're all going to go back to drinking it as though nothing ever happened. So thank you, media, for the empty gesture. Thank you, New York City hipster bars, for the empty gesture. And, um, well, you can thank Joe Biden for being empty-headed enough to (laughs) basically get the world to think that these gestures mean a goddamn thing. Now, let me be clear, as I said, because I like to be 100% honest on this show. Yes, Russia is invading the Ukraine. No, I don't care. Uh Uh-oh. He doesn't care. He's not humanitarian. In this situation, no, I'm not. I'm an America first person. And more to the point, I'm an America only person. When this begins to affect our economy, when it begins to affect our national security, you know, for example, you keep hearing rumors about these cyber attacks that have yet to be proven to actually be taking place. If they do take place, then that's an act of war on the U.S., If there is an economic strike on the U.S., that's an act of war on the U.S., and then it becomes our problem. But the United States has this unfortunate habit of getting involved with European affairs, and Asian affairs for that matter, that we have absolutely nothing to do with. This does not affect us. The the majority of Europe right now 
because of these idiotic green energy policies, especially here in the United States, the majority of Europe has to rely on Russia for its natural gas and its oil. Now, when you have to rely on another country for anything, you are not a self-sufficient nation. Let's face it, we're not a self-sufficient nation right now, period. Because we do rely on other countries for our energy. Or we rely on moronic wind and solar power that Texas proved doesn't work. I don't care until it's on our soil, until it affects us. Right now, the conflict between the Ukraine and Russia is none of our fucking business. The Ukrainian government is getting pissed. Okay, I can understand that. Like I said, I've known some Ukrainians and they are a very passionate people. We sent in a couple of missiles. Biden gave them a couple of Javelin missiles. Well, a, a little bit too little too late. As a matter of fact, a uh, as according to the Daily Wire, Speaking on condition of anonymity, an official in the Ukrainian government blasted Joe Biden and the Democrats, telling the Daily Wire, quote, if Democrats weren't such pussies in foreign policy, this might not have happened, end quote. He went on to say, quote, the Biden administration, the Obama Biden administration has refused lethal aid to Ukraine for a long time. It was Trump who was the first to provide some javelins to Ukraine. Then Biden started sending javelins in mass just before the invasion, but too little too late. Biden's first step in office was to lift sanctions on Nord Stream 2. Now he applies them heavily. Now it's too late. If Democrats did not play into the weak policy of not sending weapons to Ukraine and lifting sanctions on Nord Stream 2, Putin would probably think twice or three times. This is a Ukrainian official, and yes, they are being anonymous because when you have a country like Russia invading you, you probably want to keep your name out of the news as much as possible. But he makes a valid point. Joe Biden is so wishy-washy and so back and forth on everything and so weak. I cannot emphasize the word weak enough. He is so weak on foreign policy and he was supposed to be Mr. Foreign Policy. But he is so weak on foreign policy that he actually, he, he this, this Nord Stream too, if you're not familiar, it's a pipeline. And um, it, it's providing, a, it's scheduled to provide a large portion of Eastern Europe's um, power. It's, it's basically designed to make people reliant on Russia, to make nations reliant on Russia. And Donald Trump had placed sanctions against it. You know, Russia is notorious for its human rights violations. It's notorious for being a socialist nation. It's notorious for violating the sovereignty of nations around it. So Trump had done the right thing. One of the, let's face it, one of the few times he did the absolute right thing and he placed sanctions against it, and he attempted to help us as a nation by relying more on the Keystone XL pipeline, which, of course, the White House plant, Joe Beijing, decided to put the kibosh on in his first day in office. So Biden, of course, oh, well, uh, um, Scooby-Doo, uh, uh, the pipeline, uh, um, Nord Stream 2 XL, uh, um, uh, my butt's been wiped. That was an actual statement by the president, by the way. And, well, let's face it. The, the moron fucked the duck on this one. Too little, too late is exactly the right way to put it. By allowing the sanctions to expire, or actually by dropping them all together, I believe it was, 
And then all of a sudden, when Russia wants to invade the Ukraine, then he's going to start putting the sanctions back on. Then NATO wants to step in. Then the UN wants to step in. And then Russia threatens Finland and some other countries if they become members of NATO. And all the while, what we should be doing as a nation is just sitting back and going, I don't fucking care. It doesn't affect me. But we are so right now, we are so brainwashed by the legacy mass market media to believe that everything that goes on in the world is everybody's problem. Oh, 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 all of the the homelessness in Stockholm, that's your problem as an American because you're an evil capitalist. And the, the starvation in Somalia, that's your problem because you're an evil capitalist. No. Our problem is our homeless here in the United States. Our problem is the starving here in the streets of the United States. Not in Somalia, not in Stockholm, not in Berlin or Paris or London, not even in Canada. And oh, by the way, Justin Trudeau, what a fucking piece of work that jerk off is. I'll get to that in just a second. So we have this potential war going on and you keep hearing World War III. Well, let me try to assuage your fears right now. There is no World War III impending. As a matter of fact, I don't think there's going to ever be a World War III because no matter how stupid, no matter how brain dead our president happens to be, there is a military in command in the United States that is the largest and most powerful military, at least for the moment, on the surface of the planet, or for that matter, that the world has ever known. I say right now because we're pussifying our military, and hopefully if there is a worldwide conflict that takes place before the entire military becomes woke and, and, and transmogrified and uh, intersectional or whatever the buzzword of the fucking day happens to be. But right now, there's not going to be a World War III because our military can still wipe any other country off the surface of the planet. I don't know if you guys have heard about this. They talked about it a few years back. And by a few years, I mean the early days of the Obama administration. There are, I believe, eight nuclear submarines that are currently encircling the globe, obviously under the surface of the water, that have nuclear payloads capable of wiping out entire continents. And that if communications go dark, they are instructed to launch without prejudice, without question, just wherever you are, launch. Now, this was talked about briefly in the media back then. You may even remember it. But of course, there's going to be people in the media, and there are people in the media and the military right now who go, oh, no, no, that's not true. That's not true. Funny, you know, you admitted it back then. Kind of like how when George W. Bush said, we know that Iraq has nuclear weapons. Well, of course we do, because your father gave them to them. Yeah, we know these things to be true. So whether you believe these submarines are really there or not, doesn't matter. It's just a an example of the military power that we possess that if any country really wants to get Randy, we can just, with either the submarines or with our basic military might, just wipe them completely the fuck out. So chill. Do I believe one day there is a shit hits the fan scenario coming? Yes, of course. Yeah, if you're not prepared for that, I think you're being, um, I think you're being an idiot. I, I think you're being completely irresponsible to your family and your community if you don't have some type of preparation for a potential shit hits the fan scenario. But it's not coming right now. Just chill the fuck out. Relax. World War Three isn't on the way. Russia may take over the Ukraine. It's possible, but it's none of our business. Why don't, we, why don't we right now worry more about 
the fact that we have lost our rights. We have lost our way as a nation. We are being told that even though, well, the evidence now shows that COVID is not, uh, it's not as bad as we thought, but still wear the mask and still get vaccinated or you can't even go to a McDonald's. Why don't we worry about what's going on here at home before we worry about what's going on over there? I have said this a thousand times. I'll say it a thousand more. I am in favor of a separationist, isolationist policy where the United States only does business with any nation if it benefits the United States more than it does the other country. And that means that Justin Trudeau and Canada can go fuck themselves. Now, if you've been watching what went on with the Freedom Convoy over the past couple of weeks with the truckers blocking the bridge into Ottawa, uh, then you also saw that Trudeau invoked the Emergency Powers Act where he stole money from the bank accounts of anybody even remotely associated with these truckers. And then after he illegally used Ottawa police to forcibly remove them and to violate their human and civil rights... Then he stepped down and said, oh, well, the emergency, he didn't step down, I wish he would, but he stepped the powers down and said, well, we told you the emergency act was temporary and now, and now we're revoking it. Right. Because Justin Trudeau, who's absolutely definitely not Fidel Castro's son, even though he looked exactly like him and his mother was known to have been in Havana right around, you know, eight and a half to nine months before Trudeau was born. Yes, I stole that directly from Ben Shapiro and I thank him for that. Justin Trudeau stepped back the Emergency Powers Act just so he could not look like the dictator that he knows he is. These Democrats, these communists and socialists all have very good PR machines who are able to point them in the right direction whenever it's necessary, including the communist piece of shit White House plant bowl of porridge that we currently illegally have occupying 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, Washington, D.C., United States of America. So chill the fuck out. We got more important problems here. We got more important problems on our border with illegal border crossings from the south and with an absolute megalomaniac nut job communist to our north. More in just a moment. And we are back. Now, as I'm recording this episode, it is February 26, 2022, and it should be the first day of Major League Baseball spring training, but it's not. We are in day 87 of the lockout. Now, the lockout was imposed by the Major League Baseball owners because the collective bargaining agreement between the owners and the MLBPA had expired. And now we have no baseball. You have a large contingent of idiots who are continually blaming the owners for not being flexible. At no point in time are they stopping to look at what the Players Association is demanding. Now, one moron that I came across on Twitter had made the comment that you know, the players' union was being flexible because they were changing their demands. My response to him and my point here is you don't negotiate with terrorists. The MLBPA, like any union, is a hostage-taking organization that uses its power to try and bleed money from other people. When the hostage-taker calls you up and says, I have your daughter, give me $500,000, and then calls you back a half an hour later and says, 
I'll take $350,000. That's not a reduction. That's not a negotiation. That's still taking a hostage. That's still holding your daughter hostage. And in this case, it's still the MLBPA holding the game hostage. You're not entitled to a goddamned penny of revenue sharing. Constantly, they're trying to make deals for revenue sharing, trying to get a bonus pool for the top players based on war. In other words, based on an arbitrary statistic that can be calculated in any of a number of different ways. So in other words, they basically want to be able to hand money to their top tier players, who, who the union considers to be their big names, so that they can just indiscriminately pass this money out and look like they're fucking heroes. Tony Clark, former Yankee, head of the MLBPA, my God, what a piece of garbage he's become. Becoming this, you know, bearded, bald, head of this just hostage-taking organization. I am anti-union in all facets, and it absolutely makes me sick that the MLBPA, and baseball, by the way, if you're not aware of this, baseball is my life, it is my number one passion. And I understand that it's the players who are out on the field, but it's the owners who make the game possible. The reason the Yankees were so goddamn good in the 70s, early 80s, and mid-90s is because George Steinbrenner put out the money. He took the financial risk and he put out the money to pay for these free agents and to pay for these young stars and to make them into something unforgettable. It's the owners who take the financial risk. So the owners, by default, get the reward. A Major League Baseball player who makes $400,000 a year, I'm sorry, you get no pity from me. You get to play a game that I would give my right big toe for to be able to play for a living. Just one year. You get $400,000 a year minimum to play that game. And then you turn around and say, well, the owners should give us a part of the revenue. They should give us a part of the profits. It's our right. It's what we deserve. Let me ask you something out there, Mr. McDonald's Burger Flipper. Do you really believe that you are entitled to a share of the profits that McDonald's Corporation makes worldwide? Because if you do, maybe you shouldn't even be allowed to fucking burger flip. You don't put in the risk. You don't take the risk. You don't have money. You don't have a horse in the race, or a dog in the fight, whatever axiom you want to use. So you don't get a share of the profits. You want that level, you have to be an owner. If you want to make the profit, you have to own the product that's being produced. This is really simple. But apparently it's a little too difficult for people in the players union to understand. Look, I am not against the members of the Players Union. I think, obviously, Max Scherzer and Garrett Cole, you know, these guys are amazing ballplayers, and I'm sure they're very good people, but they have this idea in their head because baseball, and for that matter, all of labor in general, has had this idea drilled into them that they are somehow entitled to a piece of the pie from the owners. Going all the way back to Marvin Miller when it comes to Major League Baseball, but going all the way back to the 1920s when it comes to labor unions to begin with. I've heard the argument that labor unions were necessary at one point for livable working conditions and for a livable wage. I, I don't think that's true, but certainly not now. Not when there are so many other options available in any field 
I mean, guys are leaving MLB to go to the KBO. Guys are leaving MLB to go to the Nippon League. There are other options where you get treated, quote-unquote, better, where you can make equal or more money. I mean, go to your if you're that much into revenue sharing, go to your beloved Cuba and play in the Cuban leagues. And this is, again, not against the individuals who make up the union. This is against the concept of the union as a whole. They want a share of the revenue. They want, my, my personal favorite in all of this, is the whole Super 2s concept, the arbitration pool. There was a time in Major League Baseball, and oh, by the way, there's a time called right now in the world in general where in your job you get paid for what you produce. You get paid for the skills that you accrue. You get paid for the production value that you prove to your job. Major League Baseball wants a pay structure where you get bonus money just for being in the fucking league for two years and maybe hitting 230. You really believe, look, Joey Gallo's career, what, 215, 220 hitter? Love the guy, but on the field, his production is pretty limited. He, he's a He's an example of the three true outcomes player. <laughs> the best example of the three true outcomes player that should be his nickname Joey three true, out, three true outcomes Gallo but does that mean that he's worth money in a bonus pool or he's worth extra money in arbitration no he's worth what he produces and it was only about 20-25 years ago that that was the rule in baseball but now everything has become flip-flop because we're an entitled ass society that all of a sudden believes just because somebody else has something that I don't, I'm entitled to a piece of it. The Super 2 negotiation, you go, oh, well, they dropped it from 75% to 20%. How about none? How about 0%? How about you actually play until you prove that you're worth a $25 million a year contract? And if that means you have to play in the league for 10 years before you get it, that's what it means because that's what I have to do at my job. That's what you have to do at your job. You have to work your ass off. You have to bust your balls to prove that you're worth a certain amount of money. But just because you're a professional athlete, you shouldn't have to do the same thing. Well, they're fighting for better pay for minor leaguers. Okay, when you look at a minor leaguer's salary compared to a normal person, uh, well, they only make $14,000 a year. They work fourteen make $14,000 a year to play baseball from April to October. April, May, June, July, August, September, October, seven months. If you multiply that by the, the requisite number to translate to a year, they make a better base salary than a majority of human beings, than a majority of Americans. You know, they certainly make better than minimum wage, but we keep getting told, well, they have to pay for their own housing. MLB said they would take care of that, but that's not enough. That's not enough for these people. They want more, and that's what unions are all about. They always want more, and that more never goes to the people at the bottom of the pyramid. It always goes to the people at the top of the pyramid. Tony Clark is fighting so hard for this because Tony Clark knows that if he can get what the, the uh, union wants, then Tony Clark's pockets get lined. Make no mistake, this is greed in its purest, purest form. And right now, this is destroying the game. The entire game of baseball, well, Major League Baseball, because college is still around, the entire game is on hold because the players' union thinks that they're going to play hardball 
and keep the game hostage. Here's a thought. Here's my idea of how you fix baseball. Don't expand the playoffs. I, I'm, I'm not with the owners on this one. The playoffs do not need to be expanded. The league does not need to be expanded. The league needs to be contracted. Go back to the pre-wild card era. Contract two to four teams. Off the top of my head, Arizona, Tampa Bay, Miami, and, um, well, I would love to see Houston go, but they have too much actual history in the game. Uh, Since the Cleveland Indians apparently do not exist anymore, they're now the Guardians, which is a bunch of horse shit, just contract them. Get rid of them. They're pointless. There's no history now. Get rid of four teams. Go back to the old division alignment of having East and West and then having an LCS and a World Series. We need contraction. And, oh, by the way, what we also need is we need to bring back the reserve clause. Do you know what the reserve clause was? It meant that when you drafted a player, you held the legal rights to that player in perpetuity until you released them. And every year you had to negotiate a new one-year contract. And you know what happened during the era of the reserve clause? Guys busted their asses. Joe DiMaggio, Ted Williams, Bob Feller, even going back to Christy Mathewson, going back to Cy Young, you know, guys like Hank Aaron, Willie Mays, Willie McCovey, uh, Mickey Mantle. These guys played their asses off every single year and played as hard as they could, knowing full well that at the end of the season, they had to negotiate their contract again. It made them actually play. It made them give everything they had. Kind of like if, you know, you know that you, let's say you, Mr. Burger Flipper at McDonald's, every year, you were going to negotiate your salary for the next year. You would work your ass off and you would learn everything you could. You wouldn't be just Mr. Burger Flipper. You would learn how to make the secret sauce with your fucking hair follicles. But that's what that's where the game used to be. Where it is now is, I'm a major leaguer, I'm entitled, I deserve 10 years at $400 million. And oh, I deserve all the hair product in the world. My name is Bryce Harper. Just stop. Just stop trying to kill the game. You're killing the fucking game, first of all, with your, with your, you know, rejection of the competitive balance tax. You want a salary floor, but you don't want a salary cap. Makes no sense. You can't have one without the other. And I'm, I'm against both. I'm against the salary floor and the salary cap. Well, the owners don't want to pay extra salary because they want to line their pockets. Yeah, that's why you're in business, asshole, is to make money. That's what business is all about. So stop the shit. You you want me to get you want to get me to feel sorry for you as a major league ball player? Stop showboating every fucking time you hit a home run. Stop standing at the plate and watching the ball and then whining and crying like a little bitch when you get a fastball in the ribs the next at bat. Jose Bautista, I'm talking to you. The bat flip in 2015 against the Texas Rangers, and then the very next season, very early in the season, he slides hard into Rugi Odor, and Odor just knocks his teeth down his throat, and then everybody wants to blame Odor. Oh, he reacted badly. No, he did what I would have done, or pretty much what any old-school human being would have done. He reacted the same fucking way. And it, I think we're at the point where we as the fans need to become Rugi Odor and treat the MLBPA as Jose Bautista. This is just getting ridiculous. You don't negotiate with people who are holding hostages. You take them out. They, you, you keep seeing these things on Twitter that the owners are attempting to break up the union. Well, 
I'm 100% behind that. Break up the union, bring back the reserve clause, contract two teams. And oh, by the way, there really shouldn't be more than one or two at most minor league teams for each franchise in each level. Low A, high A, double A, and triple A. So you're talking a maximum of eight minor league teams. There shouldn't be 10, 15 minor league fucking feeder teams. There doesn't need to be. If you can't survive at low A, you're not going to survive at high A. There doesn't need to be other levels to draw from. Well, that adds more jobs. It also dilutes the product. Another something the MLBPA doesn't seem to understand. We want to expand the rosters. We want to do this. We want to do that. In other words, everything is just adding more jobs. And while, generally speaking, I'm in favor of adding jobs, I'm not in favor of adding union jobs that are guaranteed with, oh, by the way, yeah, you hit 201 for the year. You drove in five runs, and that means that uh, you're going to get $2 million out of the bonus pool. No, this bullshit needs to stop. The union does need to go, and it, it hurts my heart to say this, but if this means we have to lose games and possibly a large chunk of the season to get the MLBPA to stop their shit, then I am 100% in favor of it, and I'll just sit here and I'll play my Out of the Park 22 where I rebuilt the entire league in my own vision of what it should be. Baseball is my heart, it's my life, but if baseball needs to die or go on life support for a year, then that's what needs to happen in order to get this fixed, because the game can't survive this way. The, the game that we all know and love cannot survive with showboating young jerk-off players who think that they're bigger than the game and a union who thinks that they can hold the game hostage at any point in time that they want and that we, the fans, will just simply force the owners into kowtowing to their demands to get the product back on the field. It sucks, but at this point, I'm ready to deal with the fact that there may not be a 2022 season. Um, The 2020 season probably shouldn't have happened. Let's be honest, it was a shitstorm of a season. I love the fact that the Dodgers won the World Series uh, for my Rosie, but the season probably shouldn't have happened. And the 2022 season at this point is looking less and less likely to happen at all and certainly not likely to happen on time. And... My 100% honest opinion is I blame the Players Union 1,000% for this. Back in a moment. Okay, we are running up against a deadline here on this particular episode, so uh, we're going to have to make the rest of this sports update pretty quick. Austin Sindrick won the Daytona 500, the premier NASCAR race, the only sport in the world that has its biggest event at the beginning of the season. Austin Sindrick won with Bubba Wallace coming in second. Um, I, I don't think I could have lived with myself if I had to hear Bubba Wallace talking about winning the goddamn Daytona 500. I, I like Bubba. I really do. I like him as a person. I just think his, his bullshit politics that he keeps injecting in the sport needs to go. But Roger Penske on his 85th birthday winning the Daytona for the third time in his career. Now Penske wants the 500, the Indy 500 as well. And who can blame him because, hey, how awesome would that be? My car won the Daytona 500 and then turned around and won the Indy 500 in the same damn year. I think that would be pretty friggin' awesome. Um, Going on in wrestling news, and again, we're going to have to make this very short and very sweet. 
Rumored matches at WrestleMania right now include, well, not rumored, we know Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar to unify the Universal and WWE Championships. They're calling it the biggest match in WrestleMania history. Good God, did they ever see a Hogan versus Andre or, or, or Hogan versus Ultimate Warrior or, or Randy Savage? Did they not see Bret Hart and, um, and Stone Cold Steve Austin in that I Quit match? You know, this is not the biggest match in history because Roman Reigns is far from the biggest attraction in history. I don't think he's in the top ten attractions in the company right now. But, you know, I'm I'm hoping fingers, eyes, toes, nostrils, everything crossed that Brock Lesnar walks out as the reigning, defending, undisputed, WWE unified world heavyweight champion. If you didn't catch the promo from MJF on Wednesday Night Dynamite, you have to go back and listen to it. One of the most incredible heel promos I think I've ever heard. It was one where he played the heel, but he also brought up like a, a baby face side of him talking about being bullied as a kid and how um, he knew one day that the only reason that he could get through the day of being bullied was that night he was going to meet CM Punk at a signing. And of course, Punk comes out at the end and there's just a simple question. Is that true? Is that true? And MJF powders out. Great promo. Um, right about now, it seems to be the only good thing that AEW is doing. Um, Impact is doing everything right, with the exception of finding a way to keep Josh Alexander. They're just doing a phenomenal show, week in, week out. Matt Cardona, the current digital media champion, defeating Jordan Grace and making his heel persona even more of a heat seeker. Goddamn, Matt Cardona has more heat than anybody in the business right now, and that includes MJF. That rumored, by the way, match at WrestleMania, we're talking, of course, about Kevin Owens versus Stone Cold Steve Austin. Nobody loves Steve Austin more than I do. There's a Steve Austin action figure sitting on the shelf behind me. And um, I just, I'm, please, please do not let this happen. I get that he's probably been working out and getting himself in shape. And I'm sure he's in phenomenal shape compared to a normal person. But please, Steve, stay out of the ring. I am begging you. Don't let this match happen. The other match we can't let happen. Please, dear God. Pat McAfee versus Vince McMahon. And I'm not sure which of those two names in that match makes me cringe more seeing them in the ring, you know, McAfee or McMahon, it's it's terrifyingly bad. That's what I see that particular match being. So that is our sports update. Like I said, we had to cut a little bit short, running short on time here this week. So I uh, just wanted to thank everybody for tuning into this episode of The Terry Wilkerson Show. The Terry Wilkerson Show is a product of 1975 Podcast Productions, Division of 1028 Media. Go to www.terrywilkerson.com for more information. Find us on Anchor.fm, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you download your fine podcast content. And by the way, I have to finish off this week by telling you that my uh, Twitter account is I'm phasing it out. We're moving into Getter and Parlor as more of an outlet for our short uh, microblog content, especially Getter. So go to Getter, G-E-T-T-R.com, sign up. Don't forget to follow me at T.L. Wilkerson. Same thing on Parlor if you already have a Parlor account. And, of course, we do have our Rumble account, uh, my personal Gab account. You can find me, T.L. Wilkerson, on Gab. 
uh, and MeWe as well. So we're all over social media. Don't forget to look us up. Find the show. Like, subscribe, share. If you're on a platform that does so, give us a five-star rating. Tell a friend, telephone, television, whatever you need to do. Help the show grow. And I thank you for everybody who has helped the show grow. And that is going to be our show for this time. And until we see you next time, have a great day.